0: 18 through 26. Yikes. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, They would have remained with us, but they went out in order that it might be shown that they are all not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who desires, who denies? that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let us abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. The next portion, 1 John 4, one through six. Beloved, do not believe every spirit But test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world By this you know the Spirit of God Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God and this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now It is already in the world you are from God little children and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error.
1: Thank you Dina. What does it seem like the last hour after the craziness of this past week and what's going on, on the East Coast with the hurricanes what we're trying to burn up the whole North State out here and what they're trying to destroy in Washington DC. <laughs> what, what a week. Huh? Well um, we are in 1st John for our last time and so we've got a little ground to cover and we have been talking about the evidence of our salvation. Now, before we start, what we're going to share today and what we've been sharing about over the last few weeks is not how you get saved, but the evidence of what happened when you did get saved. Because we can't do anything to merit our salvation, can we? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Because within us there's no righteousness at all. We cannot work our way into heaven. That's why God provided a Savior, Jesus Christ. So as you're sharing this with others and you're taking into your own heart what God has for us today and what John has written to us, just remember what John wants us to know is these things have been written to you that you may know you have eternal life. And then he lays out these things for us. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to, again, look at your word this morning, to hear from you, And Father, I just pray that um, those about in the congregation here would not hear my voice, but hear your voice. Father, it's not what I say, it's what you say. And so I just now, and we pray, that you'd speak to all of our hearts through your holy word and through this time we have together. And we thank you for it. We thank you for the peace we have to worship you uh, this morning and to hear from you. So open our ears and our hearts to hear your voice, we pray. Amen. Well, most of us had the opportunity last Sunday to gather out at the Rorks, out at the Grove, and and uh, Josh and your team, thank you for all your hard work behind the scenes and making that happen. That was wonderful, and obviously for all those that you know helped uh, the Rourke's get ready for that, the setting was beautiful. Uh, the Yellow Jackets especially enjoyed it, and uh, they enjoyed the dinner very much too, but if you didn't make that, it was just a really special time of coming together and remembering what God has done for this body, what he's done for us. And in that grove, is a, is just, it's just a, a, a memorial, that stand is to his faithfulness, to a people that you know, sought him out 13 years ago, if you can believe that. So anyway, um, let's recap just a little bit here. Um, the first evidence we looked at five long weeks ago was a recognition of our personal sin. Now, it's, it's interesting, you've got to start there. You've got to recognize you have a need, that there is sin in your life. And there, there's a lot of people that just don't recognize that. I'm sure most of us have talked to people, have tried to share the gospel, and they go, you know, I, I'm pretty good, I'm okay. You know, I think I can, you know, I think God will smile upon me and, and everything will be fine. And they're not recognizing that within each of our hearts and our souls, there's a sin nature because, you know, it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat on that. And so one of the first evidences of our salvation is a recognition that we're not perfect and that we need a savior. And it is Jesus, obviously, who went to the cross to bear the penalty for our sins. He forgives us. He cleanses us. And he, not only that, he advocates for us before the Father, until we will be with him for all eternity. So that's the first one that we need to look at. The second evidence is the ability to keep his commandments. Now, we looked at this a lot, and it's not so much that this is a a working thing, but this is a heart desire to turn away from sin that is naturally within our flesh, to repent, if you will, to work out our salvation through time, to continually to seek his righteousness and to follow him. And, And that desire, nobody can place in you except the Holy Spirit, because our nature wants to sin. I mean, sin is fun, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be drawn to it. But we deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. That's a denial of what naturally feels good in a desire to serve God. We do not know that perfectly, none of us do, because we still live within a body that desires to do wrong, and on occasionally, it does, okay? But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, okay? And that's the second evidence is that there is a life pattern of following Christ, of obeying his commandments. We looked at this passage um, for the whole law if you want to sum it up, can be contained in this verse from Leviticus, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, one statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we can do that, by God's power, it'll keep us away from a multiplicity of sin. That one verse right there. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in that word. So it's not a matter of, 10,000 different laws to keep. This is a heart condition that God places within us a love for one another and a desire to meet one another's needs. And the reason for that, we looked at this little picture, this little bean sprout, is because when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he implants in us his Holy Spirit. And that starts to grow, okay, like this little bean. And pretty soon it starts grow to bear fruit. It gets out there, and that's what the world starts to see. And so this was just a quick little slide to help us understand visually that this is not of ourselves. This is something God implants within us the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that's gonna take root, it's gonna grow, it's gonna bloom, and that's gonna characterize our lives down the road. If that is not happening in your life, then you have reason to question Am I truly saved? If it's all about me still, we have reason to question are we truly saved? Evidence number three is this Who is your God? Now, the world has a multiplicity of things out there that entice us. We all have interests, we all have hobbies, we all have ways we make a living, we all have desires that want to be fulfilled. The question becomes, are they your God? Are you working and slaving after all these things, or are you doing things to bring glory and honor to our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ? Because God is a jealous God. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. And if we have other gods before caring about and doing things and following our Savior, then we need to question, am I really saved? We look around in churches that, and all of us have had this experience of visiting every, other churches, and there are hundreds of thousands of people sitting in the pews in those churches. I shared with you one time I had a chance to go with my cousins to a mega church down in Phoenix, Arizona. They have eight campuses across. On Sunday Easter, this last Sunday, Last Easter of this year, they had 15,000 people make a confession of Jesus Christ as their savior. But what about the rest of the week? How are they living out their lives? Who are they really following in this fast paced society of a huge city like Phoenix, Arizona, or any place else, Reading, Palisader, Millville? It doesn't matter where we are. Who is our God? And you're the only one that can answer that. In the privateness of your own heart who do i really serve what do i really spend my time doing and working for john's asked the question who is your god today we come to oh I, i threw this little thing in um i forgot i had that slide um that's from google and it, it just is sort of a crazy little picture about um, all the ways we are interconnected within the world and all the things we have accessed into this world system right now. And there's a multiplicity of them, you know, and with your laptop, not your laptop, but your iPhone, you can, I don't have one, I don't even know how they work, but you can access the whole world. Anything you want to know, anything you want to serve, just bang, you can order up anything, you can change the way your house is being regulated. You can even water your pet, you know, all through your little phone thing. Another little example of who we're going to serve. But the world, as we've seen recently, is passing away. All these things. I wonder how many iPhones got burned up there or how many computers are toast. You know, all these things within the world that we so treasure and we work for, gone in an instant. Nobody could foresee it. And it just happened. We just had a fire up Oak Run Road. You know, bang, just that quick. Could have taken out a bunch of homes, didn't, fortunately. But we're into October tomorrow or the next day, whenever it is, you know. By the way, this is the longest, second longest dry spell in California's history this year. And it's like 145 days, the longest was in 1996, if my memory serves me rec- correctly, when we had more. But it's been a long time. We've seen a lot of this kind of stuff. We've just about burned up all of Shasta County and what's left, we're working on that. It can all be gone just like that. So where, what are we really serving? The world is passing away. You know, it, it strikes me, everything we see around us, and can feel and touch is temporal the things we can't see are eternal and it's it's hard for us except for the indwelling of the holy spirit to get off what we can feel and touch and all this kind of stuff and really get our minds into the bigger picture of what's really important so we come to this the fourth evidence we're going to do 4 and 5 today And we'll move through these hopefully relatively quickly. It's not rocket science. But John says you need to be able to discern the spirits because there are evil spirits at work in our nation, in our community, in our very lives. You can be attacked by an evil spirit. You can be brought down. You can be tempted to do things you know you shouldn't do. You want to do them, but you know that's not the right you can be oppressed. You know, there's all kinds of things that can happen because the, the spiritual warfare that is going on all around us. And John wants us to realize something, that there's a cosmic war going on for your souls. And I think we saw it played out in Washington, the soul of this nation this past week, okay? There are two opposing forces going on in that whole thing that's beyond, way beyond, the Supreme Court justice nomination. They're ideologies that are pitted against one another. And we can see that, and it just, it's just, you know, everywhere around us. One of the neat verses there is from John 4, 5, 6, part of what Dean wrote, read to us. Um, they are from the world, and the world listens to them. It, it makes sense to them. But we are from God, and if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and the Savior, you recognize that your citizenship is not here. We're Americans, of course, but our, our real citizenship is in heaven. And we speak for God. And those that are of God hear our voice. And those who are not of God, it doesn't make any sense. Two, three years ago, I went to the, my 50th high school reunion and I met an old friend there. She was a varsity cheerleader and all this kind of thing. And we have since struck up an email conversation over the last three years. And we've been talking about spiritual things. She cannot stand the Bible. And she hates the Jews. And she just believes Jesus Christ was just another man like Mohammed. She doesn't get it, unfortunately. And I have as clearly as possible laid out the scriptures, quoted scripture to her. Shared gently the truth and keep listening to her. And she does not hear it. We don't hear it unless God opens our ears and opens our eyes. We cannot do it on our own, family. It is a supernatural work of God working within our hearts that opens our mind to hear his voice. And if you're not hearing his voice, you can't discern the spirits that are working around us. And this is what John wants us to know. Remember, he's telling us things that evidence our salvation. So checking, they went out from us in order that it might be shown that they are not of us. Now, that's an interesting to me is what stimulated my conversation. What does it mean to go out from us? What characterizes us? And that's part of what we're gonna be looking at here really quickly. Some of it's really obvious, isn't it? Obviously the the gay rights movement is not of God because the scriptures clearly point that the whole homosexual thing is not of God. Okay, very obvious, very upfront. But other things are very, very subtle, very subtle. Now hear me on this, subtle like this. Let's go to a Bible study. Sounds good, okay? But when you get to the Bible study, they're not studying the Bible they're studying some book, okay? Now wait a minute. That doesn't sound too dangerous on the surface, but here's the, here's the kicker. The Bible is the only thing that's the authoritative word, authoritative word of God and is powerful for changing lives. It is the only book that can do that. So why are we going to a Bible study and studying what some man written, wrote about the Bible? It's subtle, but that's that guy's opinion. What if he's wrong? And they often are. They're just people, like you and I, okay? Study to show yourselves approved, workmen unto God that need not be ashamed. What do you study? The Bible. Go to a Bible study and study the Bible. It's the only thing that has power and authority. Because out of these kind of things come misrepresentations of what God really said. Remember how he tricked Eve? Hath God said. Did he really say that? And Eve got it wrong. He didn't really say that, what she quoted. She didn't know the word, okay? She didn't know the word. This is from Helen Keller. She was, most of you know, was born both blind and deaf. And then she was worked with and later came to know Jesus Christ as her personal savior. And it's a beautiful quote. The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. And that leads us into how do you discern the spirits? What makes them different than where we are? Last Sunday, I shared a little bit about we have a name called Oak Grove Bible Fellowship. And the reason we're called fellowship rather than a church is because The body of christ regardless of where you worship is the church but the founders of this fellowship wanted to state something more importantly they wanted to say certainly we are part of the body of christ but we are a fellowship and a fellowship has several parts to it and the first one is this a fellowship is a heart condition it's not a church it's not a program It's not an activity. It's not a bunch of schedules. It's not about doing things that make you feel good. But it's a coming together to draw near with a sincere heart of those whose lives have been changed because of their acceptance of Jesus Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's the key. And I shared last Sunday that what that makes us is blood family to one another. Now we're we have all of us have blood relationships in the physical sense but what god has done is he's given us a blood relationship in the spiritual sense and that as jesus is his firstborn son we are called the children of god in john first john we are family and we often introduce good morning family a hello family or something like that and the reason it goes back to this concept within this body we want at the forefront the understanding this is more than just a community of individuals that seem to come together like a soccer club or a bike club or a rodeo club or a drag racing club or a quilting club or any other kind of club that comes together because of a set of interests but rather this is a family that's been brought together by Jesus Christ and we're blood-related. So the, so the first thing John wants us to understand about who we are as opposed to those who go out is this concept that we are connected as a family, a blood relationship family. The second one is this, that we are blood-related and we are one body with many parts. And 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and all, and most following are familiar with this, you know there's the head and there's the foot and there's the ears and there's the eyes and basically what paul is talking about is within the body of christ he is giving different skills different abilities different spiritual gifts for the edification of the whole and because some of us speak from the pulpit does not make them any more righteous or anything else than those that are putting in the sewer line up at camp you know it's all part of being part of the body of christ and the. The difficulty sometimes is is that we can get prideful and think somehow that because what I do is more important than what somebody else does, it's just only more important in my eyes. It's not truly more important. Because what Paul is trying to share with us there in 1 Corinthians is it takes all of it to make the body. Just like, you know, I have a left hand and a right hand and a left And I have a head and feet and, you know, all that kind of stuff, as we all do, that makes this physical body work. It's the same for the spiritual body. It takes all these parts in one body. So that's part of what a fellowship is about. The next part is it has to be grounded in the truth. As I just touched on just a moment ago, we have to be grounded in God's word. Because that's our Heavenly Father speaking to each one of us and us collectively. If we are not grounded there, if we are not studying to show ourselves approved, workmen unto God, then we can get fractured. Because we can argue with one another because then it just becomes, well, I think this is right. No, I think this is right. Well, who's going to settle which is right? The only one that can settle what is right is the head, Jesus Christ, in sharing with us all this is truth. My word is truth. Okay, no longer tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine, but speaking the truth in love we grow. Isn't that a neat thought when you think about it? How do we encourage one another? We speak the truth to one another. How do we speak the truth to one another if we don't know the truth? How do we get to know the truth? Study the Bible. It's not rocket science but Satan would just absolutely love to pull that little simple truth apart and get us distracted into other things. So the third aspect of a fellowship is that we are grounded in God's word. The fourth fifth aspect, did I skip one? Let me go back one. Oh, encouragement, I did. Okay, the next one, Is that within the body of Christ we're to encourage one another encourage one another day after day least any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we have become partakers of God it's of the world to tear people down and to destroy you all you have to do is open up the record searchlight or any other newspaper and read all the discouraging news. You know, have you ever picked up a paper in the front headlines, there's wonderful news? No, it's all negative news. Why is the church, by reputation, known as a place that slaughters their own, shoots their wounded? It's because we have forgotten what God encourages us to do that we're to encourage one another to love and good deeds, because we're in this spiritual battle. And what sets us apart is that Jesus Christ encourages us, stand firm, keep on. I have overcome the world. Trust in me, have faith, walk in faith. I've got your back, in essence. And we need to be encouragers of one another lifting one another up because each of us is going through and is on the front lines of a battle. And we get shot up and we get wounded and there are times we stumble and fall and trip and don't do it as we should. And we need to be able to come along and pick one another up and say, I got you, lean on me. Let's keep going, keep going. There was an incident up um, Years ago, Joy and I were up at Montgomery Creek Church. Some of you know that when the Fountain Fire hit. And there was a family in that church that had some funny twist on their theology. And there was a number of people who really wanted to put them out. Just, you know. There were some other people that said, no, we need to keep encouraging them to grow. You know, they just, they're weak in this area. Need to keep encouraging them to grow. And I so, I have never forgotten that, because aren't we all weak in some area? And don't we need encouragement to grow in some area? I mean, which one of us has it all wired and got it all together? You know, none of us do. None of us do. So we need to encourage one another. The fifth part is we need to restore one another. Now here's where I think we stumble a lot as a church. It comes from Galatians 6, 1 and 2. If any man is caught in a trespass and join the club, which one of us hasn't at times, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness and bear one another's burdens. You know, Matthew 18 says, hey, if a brother sins against you, what do you do? do you go tell it to everybody? Do you go tell it to somebody else? No. You go to them in a spirit of gentleness and you say, hey, that really hurt me, okay? That hurt. And if he hears you, what does it say? You've won your brother. You've won him over. He may or she may be blind in that particular area and didn't realize it. If he doesn't or she doesn't, well then take a witness or two, a witness, somebody that's observed it also, and try to help him again. Okay, and if that doesn't work, if they're just blatantly in sin, now this doesn't necessarily, that verse is not talking about, well, he does it that way and I do it this way, he must be wrong. No, this is, we're talking sin. And how do you know what sin is? Because you've studied the Bible and you know that's sin and they're in it. And for their good, you want to pull them out of that. You want to pull them back. You want to restore them into the fellowship. The world doesn't do this, family. The world's there to scalp you and leave you beside the road, like what the Good Samaritan found going down to Jericho, rob you, steal from you, take whatever they want from you and leave you beside the road. But that's not the character of God. If it was, we wouldn't have a savior. We would not have Jesus Christ that said, left the glory of heaven and came to earth to be our savior. And to serve and to model what it means to be a servant. And he's our model. So we need to be restoring one another, encouraging one another, lifting one another up. So here's what a fellowship looks like okay, it's from the heart. It's not, you're not here because it's a duty, it's not here because it's a social club. We are one body with many parts. So we're different and we do different things and we need to respect that in one another, okay? We need to respect that. It's always based on God's word, always based on the truth, and it encourages and it restores. I I really struggled how to point out clearly what John was talking about when he said, test the spirits. And you know how a person in the United States Treasury detects counterfeit bills? They don't study all the counterfeits. They study the real thing, and they get to know the real thing. And out of that, when they see something that does not fit the real thing, they recognize it as a counterfeit. And I think that's what John's implication is here for us today. We want to know what the real fellowship looks like, through these aspects, and then from there, if you don't see that, you recognize that's not the spirit of a God. That's a counterfeit. That makes sense? Study the real to recognize the counterfeit. Okay. Test the spirits. Do they match up with this body of Christ, this fellowship, this oneness, this one family that comes together, encourages, and strengthens and is there for one another, ministers to one another. So test the spirits. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And that's what he's called us to do. So getting back to the evidences then, your ability to recognize counterfeits is an evidence of your salvation and it can only come about through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can do it. Otherwise, as the verses we've looked at, you're caught up in the world, I'm caught up in the world, and the world's listening to us, and we're listening to it, and we're not hearing the voice of God. Evidence number five, save the best for last. The ability to recognize Jesus. I'm sure if you've tried To share the gospel with non-believing friends, you've had the experience of somebody saying back to you, I think he's just a good man, like Buddha and Mohammed and whoever, Winston Churchill for all I know, just another good man with a good philosophy. But they're not recognizing that he's the son of God. The verse is key, 1 John 4, 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. You recognize, family, unless God's Spirit is within us, we cannot recognize who Jesus Christ is. We cannot recognize him as Savior unless God is working in your heart. You you cannot recognize him as the Son of God or the Lord of Lords or the King of Kings. He's just another guy in another book. And he was a good man, and he did some good things. And we've got some good things that came out of it. Yeah, like all Western civilization, for one thing, all of our moral code, all of our criminal code. Yeah, just out of that one good guy. The ability to recognize Jesus Christ comes because of your relationship with God. God working in the heart. There's a heart. There's a big argument about, you know, Calvinism, Arminianism, you know, do we have a say, do we not have a say? We're not getting into that. Somehow God calls us, somehow we're responsible for making a choice. But the key in this, I think, is that when God calls us and he places that kernel, like that little bean seed down in your heart, it's gonna grow. He's the planner. He's the one that places it in your heart. For we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And without that, what can we do? Being dead, nothing. But God makes us alive through his spirit. And we become not just mortal beings, but eternal beings from that very moment. And we hear his voice. So here it is, five weeks in 30 seconds less are you now this is not how you get saved this is the evidence you are saved don't forget that okay are you convicted of your sin i could ask for a show of hands but i'm not gonna because we'd all have to say yeah if we're honest with ourselves do you have a desire to keep his commandments even though imperfectly but is that desire there to live for him Do you love God above everything else? Are you willing to put your life on the line? Are you willing to be called a fool in front of others? Are you willing to stand behind your pulpit and proclaim the good news that Jesus is the Christ? Are you willing to do that in public and take a stand? If you're willing to do that, you love God above everything else. If you're not, you need to sell that question can you recognize the spirits can you recognize those that are not of the fellowship and do you recognize jesus christ as the son of the living god as the savior of the world this is what john says to us these things i write unto you that you may know you have eternal life if you can go check 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 Whenever, on those dark, discouraging moments you question, when you leave this life, if you're going to be with the Savior, you can go, I got it. God's word right there. This is what he says. I don't care how I feel. I don't care how discouraged I am. I don't care how much doubt is in my heart right at the moment. That is truth. And I can bank on it. And if I leave this world tonight, I know that I'll be in the presence of the living God for all eternity so I leave this series with where we started for this is the message we've heard from the beginning that we should love one another the young comforted in the old and if you look closely to the left the old is comforted in the young love one another as he loved us let's pray father we thank you so much for the letter of first John It's encouragement to us. Thank you for the truth that it proclaims to us. Uh, Father, we just praise you for your love for us, for our Savior Jesus Christ, and his willingness to go to the cross and bear the penalty for our sin when we were so unlovely and, in fact, when we were enemies with God, as the scripture says, and yet he loved us enough to pay the ultimate sacrifice. How could we ever thank you enough? But we do, in our humble way, thank you. And thank you again for the time we've had to look at your holy word. In your son's name, amen. All right. Derek's going to be with us.